0: This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from City's Week. It's your club and this is your show.
1: Well, you can tell the business end of the season has arrived when you spend all of your working days getting nervous about the big fixtures. On Friday, it was what if Manchester City mess it up against 19th place Leicester? On Wednesday, that became how will Manchester City manage to throw away a three-goal lead against Bayern Munich? Well, both of those games were navigated successfully, even if not comfortably at times. So attention now turns to the upcoming week. How embarrassing would an FA Cup elimination at the hands of Sheffield United be? And how will the players cope with the pressure of the top-of-the-table clash with Arsenal after that? We'll preview both of those games on today's Blue Moon Podcast and try and calm some of those nerves. Also on today's show, we'll be remembering the late Mark Vivian Foe. Friday marks 20 years to the day since he scored what turned out to be City's final goal at Main Road. So we'll look back on that game and the midfielder's influence in Kevin Keegan's side a bit later on too. Time to get going though. I'm David Mooney and for this week's show, I'm joined by two City fans. We've got Macca. Hi David. And Helen Powell. Hello. So uh, Helen, um, Good to have you back for for this season it's been it's been a while um champions league it's going pretty well isn't it
2: yeah yeah so I'll, I'll like hesitantly say yes it is um like i think i think first of all this team it's been said sort of like you know last week and previous weeks on the podcast but um it's almost like the squad we've, we're seeing now in the last couple of months is what we've been waiting for for a few years. It's been building to this point, and we're at a point now where you can see a bit more confidence, a bit more sort of self assuredness in the way we're playing. Um, it's 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 going well. Yeah,
1: I mean, Maka, there is. It feels like there is a difference at the moment, and I don't want to just kind of look at the buying game and only the buying game and go, "Well, that's you know, that that's it. That's how City play in the Champions League now." Um, but it does feel like there's not as many chaotic ties, and that city are in control a lot more than they used to be, doesn't it?
3: It it really does. And even though, like you say, you don't only really just focus on the buying game, I think that was that was just absolutely just. I, I I didn't actually. I know I know we were under pressure quite a bit, but I didn't feel too panicked at any, at any point.
1: A 3 0 um, lead does that for you though, sometimes.
3: It, it does. <laughs> It does, but everyone I spoke to, every City fan that I spoke to, kind of in the morning, or whatever, it was like, well, what if they get a daily goal, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, what we've got is we've got, we've got the best defensive midfielder, central midfield, defensive midfielder, midfielder in, in the world by probably a, a, a wide margin. And we've got four lads at the back who played at centre half in, in the World Cup. So hmm. th- there's no real weak link to target there. And it, it just feels a lot more, yeah, like you say, look, a lot more mature, a lot more controlled.
1: So, I mean, in terms of, uh, obviously, with Haaland now, um, let's let's group it in with uh, the, the game at weekend as well. He's now won the Golden Boot in every single 38-game Premier League season after 28 appearances. Uh, he's won the Golden Boot in 28 out of 30 Premier League seasons. Uh, he's got six home hat-tricks, uh, three home braces and seven home single uh, goals. Um, and only five games at home where he's not scored. So he's, he's, he's had... Six games at homes where he scored a hat trick, five of them where he's not scored. That's mental anyway. Um forty eight <laughs> goals now for the season so far, twelve of them
3: needed to match Dixie Dean's record. Um can he do it? I well, yeah, no, easily. He can he can easily do it. I mean and, and again, going back to the fact that Dixie Dean's record was pre offside law, it's it is it is absolutely bonkers. Um but it's just it's funny because the last time I was on here it was before the World Cup, yeah, and we were we were kind of flying, and he was flying, and then then after the World Cup, there was this ridiculous kind of criticism of him, um, not within city but uh, and city fans, but but outside, where they were saying, well, he, he, he's been a, I think I remember Paul Parker, I don't know where it, what, what it was on or, or where he's written it, actually saying he was appalling, and it's like, <laughs> what, are, what are you watching? and it's like but the thing is it's just it's like you've got we've just kind of it's just got closer and closer together in terms of how good he is and what he does and how good the team is and what they do and it's kind of now so close that it's like he understands it we understand him and it's just like we, we are again just it uh, just flying now i mean yeah. it's, it's not it's not it's not the end product by, by any stretch, but look, again, going back to Guardiola, I mean, how good Haaland is. I know he's a young lad, but he, he Guardiola just improves everybody.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that, a player, yeah. isn't
3: a player he, there isn't a player he can't improve, and if he if he thinks he can't improve, improve him any further, he gets rid of a.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean I was gonna say this, Helen, because in terms of um everyone's been talking about how much City are adapting to Harland, but you could see recently as well, Harland's adapted to City, hasn't he? Yeah.
2: Oh, hundred percent. Um, you know, it's this it's the first season, it, it's you can see the massive improvement from the start to the to where we are now um, in terms of the the players being aware of of him in terms of knowing where to get the ball and knowing how to get the ball to him but him responding well to the players around him him getting more involved in more like more open game play and stuff like that he's he's making himself available he's doing more he's you know crossing he's is he's, he's, he's so much more than we hoped he would be. And then you look like those stats you've gone through are absolutely unreal. Um, what what a guy! And you know, this week we found out he does a pretty good Yorkshire <laughs> impression. That, so... that John
3: Stones impression. That, <laughs> I, can't stop, I can't stop. I honestly can't stop watching leave. it. I'm
2: still. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like
3: it's <laughs> not just that. It's like his little eyebrow and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: He
1: sounds more like John Stones than John Stones so I don't he understand does. how that how that's happened.
2: But uh, yeah. No, but hey, I mean, uh, uh, but, you know, taking that as part of it, he just seems to fit in with the team really well and it's so nice to see from like you know I'm an, I'm an overly sentimental um person and seeing you know like yeah, Alfie's son coming, he's like this unreal player and it and it all feels all all, all feels really really good
1: yeah. Nice. All's, um, yeah, all's well with the world at the right. moment, isn't it? That's, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's it's a nice place to be in, and you know, and and when he when he puts four past uh, uh, Leeds in a few weeks, then it'll be even better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the other thing, Maka, is that through ball from uh, De Bruyne against Leicester, it, that that is the epitome of what they weren't doing in the in the co- kind of six eight weeks post World Cup, mm. isn't it? They they, they are actually they, they they can see where he's running now and they play it. And I mean, against Bayern, in fairness, they didn't play it sometimes. But I wonder how much of that was just trying to keep the game kind of. Not make it a basketball game, essentially. Not not kind of you attack, we attack and, and lose it that way. Um, but you can see in, in the last few weeks, especially De Bruyne and Gundogan, they're really finding those passes through to him.
3: Yeah, totally. And I think that that was our problem for a bit. And, it, and I was just like screaming a lot of times at games, just using, just using more. Um, but again, that break for, for his goal last night, uh, well, Bayern for the Bayern game, and we got on this break, and it was like three against three or whatever, and it was just like. Gave him the ball. I know he slipped the defender, but they just thought it's on it, and and that's it. And the, the more we give him the ball, the more he then seems to be willing to kind of work and also give other people the ball. Um, so it's it's a real yeah, it's a real good relationship at the moment. And obviously he's just quality, and, he's, and like I like to say it just seems like a really good. He just seems like a real, which is mad. For I mean, if I was at his level, earning his his money when I was his age, oh my goodness, there's no way he, he won't be able to find me on a Saturday morning. I Never mean, ever play
2: football.
3: We can't find you on a Saturday morning now,
2: <laughs> especially in a crowd. Yeah, well, I'll thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, it
3: just seems like a really, really good lad, and like say, he just he's just a perfect fit, and obviously he's within these. A group of people who just and again, it's just a nice, a nice mix. And uh, no, I think we're, we're very, we're very lucky to have him, um and we're very lucky to have them, as in uh, the, rest of, the rest of the lads as well.
2: I don't know about you guys, but the novelty of Erling Haaland scoring again and again and again is definitely not worn off yet. No. It's,
1: actually, it's actually becoming more of a novelty the more he does it. I find I, I'm, I'm, I'm. There gets a point now where he gets played through, and I'm already giggling, and he's not even shot.
2: Yeah.
3: It's funny. I was out on a, I was out on Saturday for the game, and uh, we'd done a bit of work at the cricket club. And uh, while well, well, the while well, the United lads have said uh, he's not very good on one on ones, though, is he? I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and then obviously straight away he goes one on one. But there you go. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's fine. But he's, what is it? Is he twenty one? I mean, twenty two. I think now. Twenty well, yeah. two.
1: Getting on. Getting on now.
3: Getting on. But I mean if you I mean it used to be the thing I did you peak at twenty seven. Not not nowadays, not with the condition and everything. You you're peaking at probably thirty and he's got a lot he's got a lot a lot of records to break, let's put it it's that way. It's quite scary. Yeah. No, it's scary. It is scary. Yeah. He is he is he's, he's phenomenal. He's Absolutely
1: ridiculous. phenomenal. Yeah, um, it, it says a lot as well. I think Helen. I mean, Maka mentioned the slip um, in the in the build up to the goal. Um, he actually does something really really intelligent in front of that slip, where he goes, "Oh, you've slipped over, so I'm just going to chip it over Chipped you before, right? Yeah, yeah, before I take the shot on. All right, yeah. Like <gasps> anybody else would have gone, great, he slipped over, I can get past him here. And he's like, no, 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 I got this, lads, watch this." Um, So he he does that, and the confidence to do that after blazing a penalty over the bar in the first half. I mean, like, there's a a little bit of pressure on that kick and there was the whole delay before it. Um, But he's just brushed it off and kind of got on
2: with it. Oh, 100%. I mean, he's not... I mean, obviously he is, but he just feels like he's not human (laughs) to some level. Do you know what I mean? He kept, like... Because, yeah, he missed the kick and there was the build-up and the atmosphere and all that time. But I just think he's not, like like some of our team, much to love him, are massive confidence players. He's not like that. I think he's very like direct. Okay, that didn't work. Go again immediately. And it, and it happens. You know, it's not, you don't watch it thinking, oh, he doesn't believe he's going to score this. I didn't think that when I watched the penalty. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. But, you know. It happens, carry on. And that's exactly what he seemed to do. And it's, yeah. it's get him a chance. Yeah, get him another yeah. chance. He'll bear it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Mac, the, obviously the, uh, the, the Leicester game, the way it finished, um, it was a bit harem scarum at times. And I think Guardiola, after the game, admitted he might have made the changes a bit early for for everybody's liking. Um, but ultimately, they've come away from that with the three points. They got They got out of there with uh, with a job well done. We'll come on to Edison a bit later on in the show as well. Um uh, but it, it, it's kind of like I'm wondering how much of that sacrifice in the end of the of the Leicester game made the Bayern performance possible.
3: Um, yeah, totally. Um, it could have backfired that that what he did at Leicester, but I, uh, against Leicester, but I wouldn't have actually. I wouldn't criticise him for that because you're not bringing duck eggs on. You're bringing on good footballers, and but they could have ended up with a point there. We could, have, we could have dropped points. But like I say, I, I, I don't criticise Guardiola for for what he did. And I think totally, I, I mean, we just, we looked really, really at it against Bayern. We looked we look f- as fresh as we could do. The work rate was fantastic. And yeah, no, I think all in all, those two games, just absolutely, you can't, you can't fault what he did. You yeah. can't fault what Guardiola did. It was com- completely the right decision.
1: Um, I mentioned Edison Helen. Um, people have said they wanted to see more from him uh, in the making saves department, and I mean, you can't argue with what he's been doing in the last fortnight or so, can you?
2: No, he's he's been he's been an absolute wall in the last couple of weeks, and it's been a lot a lot good. Well, it's been fantastic to see. I mean, I am one of those people that I do think I have criticised him quite harshly this season. Um, I think when you've got to a point when you've got the team we've got. You're sort of like, okay, but then what do we need to, you know, what needs to step up next? And, you know, Edison's quite frequently in that conversation, but I just think he's shown some of his best best moments um, in more recent games. And like, say, Leicester and some of the stops last night just just kept us where we needed to be.
1: Yeah, how much of how much of the uh, last of the upturn in form do you think Macker of the last kind of six eight weeks or so um, is down to Edison and, and his? It looks like he's just playing with more confidence more
3: than anything else. Well, like to to kind of build on what Helen was saying, I was, I was trying to make more saves, and, and I know. I, and I, again, I'm a bit of a cliche with him, and it's a bit corny, but he, he, he wasn't making enough saves, and, and he and he, and he now is. Um, I mean, with his feet, he's just absolutely perfect. There's no, there's no better footballer, um, no better goalkeeper in the in the world who, who's better with his feet than he is. But it was one of those where you just come away from the game a lot of the time, and you just go, well, "What did he do there?" And then you, you you've drawn, or you might have lost, and it's like, "Did he make any save?" What did he do? But but now he's doing it, and and he's and and it's quality. So. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's anything to do with him in terms of the upturn of the, the performances because he's in terms of creativity he's, he's still doing what he used to do with his feet and it, and, and he's been brilliant at that it's just making saves but yeah. again that's unlike like rocky yeah. <laughs> 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 <is his> <laughs> uh,
1: I tell you what, though, Helen, there is one department that I, uh, he, he probably needs to get a bit more subtle in, and that's time-wasting.
2: Oh, goodness. Uh, what was that? What, I couldn't work out what happened last night when the, glo- the glove was off and there was something I was like, oh, no. Right. Oh, I've no, got like... another
3: take on this. I've got another take on I... this. Here we go. Here we go. Strap in, everyone. <laughs> right. So, in terms of his time-wasting... The, for me, the best thing to do for a goalkeeper is get that yellow in as early as possible. Because are you going to be that referee who sends someone off for two a goalkeeper off for two yellow for two yellow? Yeah, but
0: are you, are you going prone, to
2: risk that? <laughs> Edison is prone to a moment of madness that would then be off. Like, and, well, of course and he's keeping like, Do it. <laughs> yeah. That smiley face on your neck has seen things. I'm telling you that much. <laughs> and I just like wouldn't mess with him. Well, but, but but has it has
3: any goalkeeper in the top flight, if any division? I'm, I'm, I'm really going for it here. Yeah, <laughs> been, sent, <laughs> been sent off in the history of the world. For, <laughs> yeah, been sent off for two yellows for time wasted. I know, right, it's, Kevin I know, it, I know it's a risk. I know it's a risk. I know it's a risk. But my thing is, maybe he's a genius about doing this. You just think, well, I'll just get it in early. Get it in as early as possible, and then, well, and then I can do whatever I want. I can make a brew. No, I could do whatever I want. Well, I make, and you're not going to get your second yellow then. Let, let, no, me, then put it, let me put it. Let me put it this the way.
2: box, he does something crazy, and that's it. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah, but that's no.
3: different. For two, <laughs> two, for two yellows. Two yellows for for actually time wasted. I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Well, let me put it this way, Maka: um, sure. if there is any club in the English <laughs> league that can have a goalkeeper sent off <laughs> for two yellows for time wasted,
3: <laughs> would it not be City? <laughs> on the last game of the season while a golden minutes down. to yeah. go <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe maybe but i don't know i don't know how you i don't, I don't know how you get better at time wasted
1: I don't know. I don't know if you just need to be a bit more subtle with it. I don't know. I, like, what cause, do
3: you do, cause... What's your tips, Moon? I'm just now. I, I
1: genuinely, I just because I play in 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 uh, places where I have to go and get the ball. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just knackered all the time. I go and get it, and I'm like, I literally, like, sorry, I can't make it back to the to the goal with a with a run. I'm going to have to walk. Listen, I like, I, I am not fit, so that's what that's how I do it. It's like it's gen. It's not actually time wasting. It just wastes time doing what I'm doing as fast as I can.
2: I mean, everyone does it, and you know, it's fine. Go for it. You know, I know, like the minute the you know the opposition <laughs> goalkeeper does it, everyone's on their back, and as it should be. But like, you know, part of me is like, do we need to do it? Like, everyone looks for any stick they can to beat City with, and is that just something we can be like, not going it? But at the same time, everyone else does it, so just just do it. Just go for it.
3: Yeah. But
2: I don't know, I'm quite torn on it.
3: Yeah. I think it's just inherent in some in some. Especially South Americans, they're just—they're gonna—they're going to just do something to try and wind people up. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm leaving leaving to it. Leaving yeah. to it. This is gonna harm me, isn't it? Yeah. When Le- he gets sent <laughs> off, off against Arsenal, five minutes into the second half. You've <laughs> ruined my birthday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Ad free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast.
1: <laughs> right, uh, well, we're going to go. We're gonna head to the past for a bit now because Friday's 20 years to the day that City scored their final goal at their old stadium. Mark Vivian Foway's strike in the 80th minute against Sunderland at Main Road would be the last by a City player on that ground. I've been chatting to Adam Carter from statcity.co.uk, Niall Taylor, who runs the Instagram account Retro City Goals, and first Dom Farrell from Sporting News about the late Cameroon midfielder.
4: I reckon I, be- I first became aware of the significance of it about 20 minutes into that final game at Main Road against Southampton and thinking they're just... <laughs> They're not going to score all day today are they so this is no this is the one um yeah and i mean obviously there's huge poignancy with like um you know what happens not long after that goal but uh yeah i think i mean with you know in present company and the generation we're all from like um main road was a very special place i think it it can get sugar-coated um there were some really really bad atmospheres there and terrible times but um that was, you know, certainly in my city supporting life, that, that season of finishing ninth in the Premier League, even though the season petered out a bit, that was probably a great high point of my sort of time watching City of Main Road. And yeah, he was he was part of that Keegan era. You know, he maybe doesn't come to mind straight away for you of like the entertainers under Keegan who played in midfield, but valuable goals that year. And yeah, it's um good kit as well. Yeah. Um, that was <laughs> one. Um, so yeah, it's a... Uh, the and this is blindingly obvious there can only ever be one last goal at main road and and there it is and, yeah.
1: yeah Adam in many ways it's quite nice that it it with the news of what would happen with foA over the summer it's quite nice that he had that honor wasn't it he, I mean, he was never yeah. going to stay around at city city were never going to have the money to be able to to keep him for the following season um but it was it was a great season he'd had at city
5: yeah i loved the like almost the finality of it in a way because Weirdly, I was on a dodgy season ticket that last season, which meant that I was never guaranteed to get in on the, on the games. So when it came to like the West Ham game and that Sunderland game, and the Southampton game, I was always every time I departed Main Road, I always imagined it was going to be my last time. <clears throat> so because I, I knew I wasn't guaranteed a ticket, so I almost ended every game like staring around the place being trying to be one of the last to leave in a weird kind of morbid fascination way. Like the end of um, a sitcom. Yeah, exactly that. Like the last one to turn the lights out. Yeah. So, um, I probably, and to make it all about me, of course, um, I probably, Put more on that last goal because I was from a selfish point of view. I was thinking that could be the last goal I see at Main Road, not thinking that I was going to be able to make the Southampton game or the West Ham game sub- subsequently. So uh, I, I do, I do pair my memories of Main Road to I pin a lot of them on Foye and that whole season, like uh, Dom's alluded to with the kit, the Keegan, you know that era. And I, I, so I've got a bit more sentimentality, not than anyone else, but just more special for me in that. I do associate that with the finality, and it's just like Don says. We know what came after, and it's just nice that he's carrying that honour as the as the last goal scorer at Main Road. Adam, can I um can I jump in with a top trump on last man that turned the lights out <laughs> after the
4: Southampton game? We got left the ground walking back down down Claremont Road. I realised I'd left my glasses case under my wow. seat. Now my, so clearly my subconscious has done a thing there. Yes. So I le- legged it back in like through like, you know, turns that, you know, the gate still open and everything. And yeah, I went and got my glasses case from under my seat in the family stand. And yeah, there was, it was like, ah, oh, this is, that's main road then. So yeah, I, there, yeah, obviously there will have been other people like laying in the ground, but it was like, that was kind of weird that I got to do that. I mean, it wasn't that weird because I used to lose my glasses case all the time. <laughs> but, um Yeah. That was my little last, last final, final goodbye.
6: Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: Niall's now going to tell us that he turned the lights out after the Southampton <laughs> game. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Back there overnight,
7: man.
1: Yeah. Um, Niall, you, this goal um, is—I mean, this has come from your collection. I'm going to play the audio from uh, from the goal. Uh, it's a report of um, from Fox News. Uh, sadly, I can't find the the commentary of the goal, uh, but this was how they described it on uh, on Fox News afterwards.
5: This was the first meeting between these two at Main Road in the Premiership after 10 minutes to go ali Benabia was determined to finish it in style Sunderland carved open as foy jammed home his ninth of the season
1: there we go um i mean just from from your memories of, of that game and and, and foy in particular what 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 did that mean to you that goal
7: it's it's weird lads have touched on that we didn't really understand the significance of it at the time I, I remember on the day being more delighted that Fowler had scored because he'd, he'd been there for four months and I think he, he, he'd only scored once and yeah. he just didn't look impressive at all but um, a couple of things, <laughs> on that commentary it's just to point out, it's not the first time we met Sunderland at main road because one of my favourite ever games <laughs> was two years prior yeah. so I don't know where really <laughs> got that from. Um, and oddly he says Benabia was looking to end it in style do you know he put the ball in for the goal? It's
1: Jamel Belmardi. his yeah. Algerian, mate. Yeah, yeah.
7: <laughs> um, which I didn't know, and and I, again, I, I, I don't mind saying, that. I, I didn't realise that the West Ham game came after this. So it's something that I just completely lost in my memory. That yeah, the, the, the last game at Manrol, i say the last goal at Manrol from a City player was two or three games before the actual last game. So um, yeah, it, it's it's strange to me because. I know it was the end of an era, obviously, for obvious reasons, and it's quite fitting that Fulway got the goal, but it felt like the end of a very specific era of a City team as well for me. Um, We still had Hallock, Teatro, Vikings, Gota, Weaver to an extent knocking around in that squad and they all left that year. And that squad was sort of mixed in and more so the next year with players that I think Keegan sort of fancied for a year or two and then he'd move them on and that's what we became. Um, Follet... For me, is the exception because he he was excellent that season, and there were a couple of players that came in, sort I think, just out of convenience for them, like Fowler and Schmeichel. But Foye came in for a year. Was I don't know fair enough the first three months? I don't think he hit the ground running, but once he started to score, he was integral to that team that season. Yeah,
1: well, it's funny you say that actually because let's let, I want to play this. This is uh, an interview that I found with Mark Vivian Fowler. Um He's speaking after City had beaten Aston Villa at Main Road. Um, It was 3-1 on Boxing Day. He scored a brace that day. Um, but they were, they were his fourth and fifth goals for City. It, it, and it was only like a, a fortnight earlier he scored his first goal. So he's in a real kind of hot goal scoring form at this point. Um, and it's funny you say about starting slowly because this is what he said about that game and, and those goals.
0: I'm very happy for us to get uh, some points. That you will be better if you get more points than goals. So I'm happy to score now because I've lost too many in the start of season. So now I'm enjoying playing now. And I think I, I have to keep going.
1: And Dom, I don't know if this is heresy, but it must be you know through August, through September, through you know like October, November. I was genuinely sitting here thinking, who is this guy? Like, who? Is, why have they got him? He's not. He's he's a holding midfielder that isn't holding. He's a he's not an attacking midfielder that's scoring goals. What's the point of him? And then by the end of the season, he's a he's a cult hero at City.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously we everyone had the dream that the Bernabia Berkovich midfield access a- access axis that had sort of um, ripped the championships a bit would just come and swashbuckle everyone to high heaven. Obviously that became clear pretty quickly. That wasn't realistic. So he needed something a bit more robust in there and obviously Foe was. I mean, he's kind of so so this is like 2-0-3. Oh, he's very much of his time of a Premier League midfielder. I think you'll remember around that time is when Pep Guardiola did those columns for El Pais where he was like bemoaning the death of the football he liked and saying football was all about sort of, you know, physicality and, uh, you know, box-to-box guys. Um, There's a lot of players from that Premier League era, particularly like, say, for someone coming here, you know, played in France and played in Europe, sort of, I thought clubs were looking for guys with technical ability, but who could also do the, um our league capital O, Capital L uh, stuff that yeah. likes. <laughs> Um so he was that, but I think he did it did jar in the early weeks. It's like you're thinking, you know, he doesn't create like but Ber- Burkinship and Arbia. Kevin Orlock's probably better on the ball, you know. Um but then, you know, goals change games and change perceptions of a player, don't they? And when you say he got on that little run around just for you know, either side of Christmas and then yeah, he was obviously he was never out of the side, he became integral.
1: Yeah. I, Adam, he was all, he, he was, you know what I mean when I say this, but he was all legs and arms, wasn't he?
5: Yeah, I was I I was a bit more in favour of him earlier on in the season. I was convinced that we'd signed our version of Patrick Vieira. That's what I, how I kind of held it. Um, but yeah, he never looked fully in control, but he was this presence in the middle of the park that I don't think we'd had for a few years in terms of that stature and that style of play. Um, but it was all, you know, legs and arms, but there was a composure to it as well. There was almost like, it sounds weird to have an elegance with that kind of, it was a, it was a perfect mashup of that. And what I love, and you've alluded to it a minute ago, like it's not just, we're not just like eulogising over him because of what what's happened since. And we're not like seeing him in a different light. He was genuinely, he had genuinely, carved that cult hero status for himself before his, his tragic passing at the end of the season. So I'm just pleased that we did have that kind of connection with him. The, the tr- floral tributes after he went was, you know, you know that you could see the outpouring of grief outside Main Road. And he had that connection with us to build that connection in one season as well. I just think it's amazing. But yeah, he it, it certainly was a, a weird player to watch, even though there was an element of gracefulness to it, even though it was all legs and arms, as you say.
1: Yeah. Now, were you on board uh, from the start, or was it a case of uh, that goal? He, he scored a goal at Sunderland. He opened the scoring at Sunderland, where yep. um, he, his leg got he must have got it to head height to control the ball to <laughs> knock it down the keeper. And it was at that point I started to see it. And I, I, I admit, like makes me a fair weather fan. You know, I've seen the good stuff, and I am going, yeah, there. I, I get it now. Um, how about you for the for the entirety of that season? What what was he like?
7: Yeah, at early stages, I wasn't sold on him as as a player, um, but. My my dad was insistent that he'd come good, and I remember watching that Sunderland game. I think it was a Monday night, and he yeah. was on Sky. And, and he did. He jumps about seven foot in the air, nearly kicked the keeper's head and scored. <laughs> and I remember my dad saying, you, "You deserve that!" and screaming at the TV, "Like you deserve that, you deserve that!" And he he, he kicked on immediately from then. And it's strange with Oli because I think he's he's a player that would probably be more appreciated in the game now than two thousand and two. Absolutely, because um, he. Cause he, he like I said, he wasn't really a defensive midfielder that sat there and swept the ball up in front of the back three or four. Um, he he did a lot more than that. And I think that was the intention of when he came in, that we'd have a player that could allow Bernabia or Berkovic, as, as it was mostly that season, to, to go and play. But it didn't really work. And then it ended up with, I think, Teatro started to play in midfield quite a bit as well. I think he might have even played Wright Phillips in the middle three or two or whatever he was doing before Barton came in at the end of the year. But before he played, Looking at the stats, I think he played 35 out of 38 games, and he only got subbed off once because he was injured. So he's played 90 minutes in pretty much all the season, which just just shows you how, how crucial he was. And yeah, I, I I don't mind saying, yeah, start of the season I wasn't sold on him, didn't think that he had much to offer. But once he did find his position and, and find his role in that team, he was, he was massive. And and it's funny we're saying about him taking sort of three or four months to settle. We give players a year now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
5: and we're better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
7: and we're miles better. And, and <laughs> you know, to credit Foley, he, he did it in three or four months. And as soon as we hit winter in England, he started to think, well, go on, I, can, I can start attacking and I can offer this, this team something. And he finished our second top scorer. So, yeah, all credit to him. Yeah,
1: the the absolute epitome of the opposite of a fair weather footballer. As soon as the weather gets cold, he comes good. That's <laughs> like that's unheard of. In that, um, I asked uh, a few of the the team that played with him that I've got contact details for for um, kind of some memories. Uh, unfortunately, when the when we come to record this, most of them haven't been uh, available before then. Um, but I but Nicholas Jensen did send me this. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think he quite got what I was asking for. He seems to talk about the season as a whole more than more than Mark Vivian Fowey. Uh, but he does he does talk about what Foway was like and, um, and and kind of his role in the team. So uh, this is Nicholas Jensen, uh, the left-back of, of, of that era, uh, talking to us about uh, about Mark Vivian Foway.
6: Hello all Blue Moon uh, podcast listeners. This is uh, Nicholas Jensen, former player of uh, Man City. 20 years ago, since I, I played in uh, this uh, tremendous club, it's uh, 20 years ago that uh, the last goal at Main Road was scored by a uh, a brilliant man mark vivian Fo, uh, who tragically lost his life uh, shortly after only a few months i was so uh, privileged to to play with him uh, what a player he was and and what a human being also outside the pitch so um was very a very very nice time together with him very nice uh, time together with with the whole squad actually uh, back then i think we had uh we had a good good time uh, in the last season in uh, in Main Road when when I played uh, in the Premier League there. So um, it's a different club now. Uh, it's uh, it's very nice, obviously, with with all the Premier League titles, and hopefully within a couple of months also a Champions League title. So um, cross fingers for that. Uh, thank you for. For letting me be part of of this uh, brilliant club, um, let's uh, let's hope for for all the best in the future for for Man City. So that's
1: Nicholas Jensen. We've also got a little story from uh, the photographer, Kevin Cummins. He was uh, doing a a photograph book for that season, documenting the final season at Main Road. Um, And uh, we've mentioned the Aston Villa game on Boxing Day. Uh, This is an incident that happened between uh, Kevin Cummins and Mark Vivian Fowe on that game.
8: When he scored his two goals against Villa, I was stood in the tunnel. I wanted a shot of him coming off the pitch And as he approached me, I just said, goal machine, Marco. And he took his shirt off and gave it to me. I I was staying with some friends in Manchester. And I got a phone call about midnight from Les Chapman, the kit man. And he said, did Marco give you his shirt after the game? And I said, yeah. And he he said, what an idiot. I told him not to give that shirt away because it's the only one he's got. He won't be able to play against Fulham. And I said, well, you must have another shirt, Les. And he said, no, he said, he he always wears double XL, and that's the only one we've got till mid-January, till the Coxsportif are back, you know, and they send us some more. He said, because Fowey was always sending his shirts back to his family in Africa and stuff. He said, you're going to have to bring it down to London to the team's hotel. And eventually, it must have been about a 10-hour drive that day down to London for this, and we got to, the team was staying at... um, Chelsea Harbour we got there and I said to Les I've got the shirt and he came down and he looked at it and he said haven't you fucking washed it I'm going to have to go and wash this in. this is like the the midnight the night before the game he said I'm going to have to go and wash this now in the sink the next day I was taking some pictures before the match when the team were warming up and I said to Fowey I said you're only playing because of me and he said yeah I know he said Les told me and then when they finally got some shirts, I finally got the sweaty one back. He gave me that. He tried to fob me off with a new one, but I wanted that one.
1: It just, it, it kind of suggests, Dom, doesn't it, <laughs> that Foe was, um, like, uh, two things, a bit in a world of his own, but at the same time, like, just a really generous person.
4: It also suggests Kevin Cummings took a horse and cart down to London, how did it take 10 hours? <laughs> <laughs> I know the traffic's bad, Some 10 hours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it's like... Um, the thing is, so I'd, I'd never, obviously, Nicholas Jensen was a voice, not just himself, but i have never heard them stories before. But you always heard a lot of those things about foe And obviously, obviously, when people die, particularly when they pass away so young, you do hear glowing tributes. But I think, and maybe this is sort of the, the media cynic in me, you can tend to spot pretty early on where where it's people ticking box with just like, you know, I don't speak of their pleasantry. But he was clearly a very, very well loved man. With like guys that played with him, people that had any sort of dealings with him, he, he came across as a, a big hearted individual. Uh, well. An XXL hard individual, maybe. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. Always wears double XL. I mean, it's the other the other side of this, Adam, is that um, like these days you can rock up at city and they'll they're they're handing out shirts because they're making them that
5: that frequently. Yeah, shooting them out into the crowds. I think that that's a perfect, a timeless story of where we were at that point as well. Uh, The fact that. Uh, even a generous gift needs to be uh, returned before the next game you cannot you can borrow the shirt but the, the players might need it back <laughs> yeah that's just typical city that and we're trying to do a good thing and we have to rein it back in again
1: yeah niall for um for everything that you hear about fowey off the pitch um and you know we've talked about his, his influence on the pitch um you, you just it's one of those players where you think you know if only if only city could have been able to keep him i mean it's it, it like like i say even if he hadn't passed away that summer they they'd never have got the money together to be able to, to sign him permanently. Um, it's almost like a privilege to have had that season with him, if you know what I mean.
7: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's evident how much we missed him on the pitch the following season because we, we just didn't replace him. I think we brought in four or five midfielders that were all in the early 30s by that point. Boswell, Reina, Sibierski, McManaman. McManaman, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, other than McManaman, I don't really dislike any of those players, but I wouldn't call <laughs> any of them a, uh, a successful signing for City. And he, and he was he was really missed on the pitch. I think off the pitch as well, it, it obviously is going to affect teammates and everyone involved with the club. Um, but yeah, every, every story you hear about before from players and teammates, not even City players and and you know, uh, from other clubs and, and international, they always said that he, he was just always a happy, smiling, uh wonderful person. And I think it's quite evident, like like we've said, that, you know, when, when these tragic things happen, um it's clear uh, how much of an impact it has and, and how good of a person they are. And he, he was definitely one of them.
1: Yeah. Niall, are all of his goals on your Instagram page? Have you, have you got them all now?
7: I think I've got all of them, except... Uh, no, I have. I've got all of them, but um, I need to upload one. Uh, his first one against the Villa on Boxing Day, and then yeah. Yeah, the set will be complete. So maybe I'll, I'll time that well.
1: Yeah. Have you got a favourite of his?
7: Um, probably that one because I think it's that goal that he scores at the, no- at the front of the north stand, and then he runs towards the corner, and I'm sat right at the back of the main stand in a temporary block that was put in there for that season, and it was just above the. Um, you remember the old police sort of the hut or whatever it was the security yeah. hut um, they put a temporary block above that for that season and um, he comes running over and starts pointing towards our block I have no idea why but um, yeah that that lasted <laughs> lasted only in my memory because uh, I, I thought he was pointing at me as yeah. you do he was um, he clear, yeah, clearly shouting get
1: get this one on Instagram that's what yeah, he was
7: saying yeah. time, get this one on Instagram for a, a very niche audience of people that yeah. remember City being pretty shit yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Adam. Um, I, I, in terms of his overall play as well, he was he, he was much involved. Um, we can't ignore the fact, though, that uh, yes, okay, Sean go to nick the ball off Gary Neville for that uh, that derby goal. Um, <laughs> the entire reason he was able to was because Fauway played one of the worst passes you'll see in the history of
5: football. <laughs> He meant it. He knew. He knew exactly. <laughs> he knew Neville won't be able to cope with the Derby Day pressure. He thought, if I just lump this in behind, Goater will dispossess him, and the rest will be history. But yeah, it was. It was just a punt upfield that didn't really wasn't meant to do anything. But well, I'll take it, and I'll redecorate it all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. What a man, uh, Dom. Just to just to finish then. Um, I mean, in in terms of, uh, of Foe as the player and the person, what what, what what's your overriding memory of him?
4: um <laughs> probably a, a big part of it is that pass of like obviously everyone we've all watched that goal back quite a lot for other reasons mm-hmm. but yeah. what's what's he even trying to do <laughs> no um <laughs> nobody yeah, it's um let's like, say he's part of a really good time of like the royal and keegan years were someone of my age for the first time city so hadn't just been a desolate thing and it also i mean this might be a morbid note to finish on but let's go with it like when he died so when i was younger i i was absolutely baffled by people losing their heads about people dying who they didn't know like when i was a, like for example the one that stands out to me prince of Dinah's funeral and all that carry on yeah i couldn't i could not get my head around that as a 11 year old lad as i was then so a few years later when 4 dies i, I remember because i watched the first half of that game the cameroon game and then when out to my girlfriends at the time off. my dad phoned me up and he said you sitting down which is never a great way to start a phone call um yeah. and he said mark before he's dead so what and so and i remember it completely flooring me and feeling like and feeling upset like like a friend had died which I, and i'm telling myself but well, this is silly he's a footballer but then you come to realize that particularly at that age when you're you're young and you've not got any responsibilities, the thing I cared about more than anything in the world every week was City winning a game. And this is really simplistic, but the players who play for them, however you might shout good or bad things at them when they do good or bad things on the pitch, they are trying to achieve that same end that you want to happen more than anything else. And so I guess his legacy, I mean, God, I wish it had happened without him sort of tragically dying, But he, it sort of made me realise that bond, sort of understand that weird bond between football as a football club and the fans. It like, it's like, ah, right. So this is what it. You sort of made sense of that of the the general weirdness of being a football fan. The fact is death, like, really upset me. It was like, God, yeah, this is, yeah, this is how this is all linked. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah it's uh, and i mean ultimately then you kind of it, it's kind of quite fitting that, it, that he did get the final goal at main road
4: yeah yeah absolutely it's um it's a say in in some way in many many ways you wish it wasn't fitting but yeah it's like i say it's a nice thing you know that we get to talk about the guy and remember the guy who was who was special to an awful lot of people
0: Mail the show through our website, moonpodcast.com.
1: That was Dom Farrell, Adam Carter and Niall Taylor looking back over the late Mark Vivian Foy's City career. Um, time now to look ahead to this weekend's game with Sheffield United and the Premier League game with Arsenal coming up on the horizon. Uh, let's speak to Johnny from the Sheffield United fan channel, The and View. Hi,
9: Johnny. Oh yeah, you are all right
1: there? Eh? Yeah, not bad. Um, how's this season going for you? I've, uh, I've had a quick look at the table before. Four points off being sure of promotion, eight points clear of third. You're coming back up, aren't you?
9: We are, but it's a strange one. Um, we, we've not really got out a second year all season, which is really bizarre to say, sitting in second place. So whilst it's it's a good league position, there's always that danger if we don't pick up results that we could throw it away as tough as it sounds even four points off. Uh, but being a Sheffield United fan, I'm sure you guys all know uh, from your <laughs> olden days,
8: whatever, whatever there's a
9: whatever there's a pessimistic bone to be had, we'll have it. Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. Mackie, we, we, we remember those
1: days. Well. I was going to say well, but I don't know if it is well or not. It's, uh, we remember I, remember, them anyway. I
5: remember them. I remember them, let's
3: put it
1: that way, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, in terms of, of, of this game, I mean, obviously the, the big elephant in the room, Johnny, is that um, McAtee and Doyle can't play. Um, how big a miss is that for you guys?
9: massive um we saw the other day macca came on it, it, it was in a boot the day before according to i'm not sure if i quite believe that or not but uh we we, we started fleck who's got no legs at the minute because he's coming back from a long-term injury and we just looked so uncreative and just made hard work on what should have been a routine win and i don't want to disrespect bristol city but it should have been we, we were better than them we are better players uh, and as soon as Maka t came on that were it grabbed a goal creative spark game over and I yeah. think that's what we're going to miss against Man City. Not saying that a creative spark will help us do anything against you. What I'm saying is it'd be a lot more entertaining on the eye to at least have a few more goals at goal.
1: Yeah, uh, Helen. For from a City point of view, in a weird way, I kind of feel a bit disappointed that they can't play as well because, like, it's it, it's a good opportunity for them more than anything else.
2: Yeah, it's a great way to see how they yeah how they perform alongside you know our well say first team whoever we. Go with on Saturday um it'd be really great to see what they're up to I mean I, I keep a bit of an eye on them it's good to see the amount of play time they're getting um especially Maka as well um so yeah it's a bit of a shame but also you know I'll take it
1: <laughs> well there, there is that as well Macca, because the the idea that uh, off the back of a Bayern Munich game that was you know a it, it took a lot out of the team on in the midweek um you kind of wonder what team he's going to name don't you
3: yeah, you do, I'm, not, I'm not sure what um, he is going to do. But is he going to pick Harland? Um I don't know. I don't know how many he's going to go to rest. But just going back to Mcatee, it's because I've really got an interest in because in, I know his dad. So this is where this is. Oh, well, how okay. old, this is how old I am now. So his dad's the same. This is the, he's the same age. He's from Little Upton, so he's like he's down the road from me. So he went. His dad Johnny went to the same school as um, a lot of my mates did, who we played cricket with actually for Salford. Um, and his dad was a brilliant rugby league player Hard as nails um, So yes, yeah, so I've got a real <laughs> I've got real interest in in, in McAtee um, And I hope, for, I, hope he, I really, really hope he comes back And actually kind of He's straight in the squad next season um, And because I think In terms of I know I'm going off track here But like with Cole Palmer I think he's had a, a missed year, hasn't he? Yeah um, A little bit in many ways He probably should have gone on loan away as well But uh, anyway, back on track um yeah, I have absolutely no idea what the team he's gonna pick. <laughs> Cause is it gonna start with Rodri? I don't know. I just I, I genuinely don't know. It could be like one of those Tombolas from Guardiola, isn't it? And just it could be anything. It could be yeah. anything.
1: Especially with that Arsenal game, which we'll come on to uh yeah, soon, yeah. but that that on the horizon as well. I mean Johnny when when you hear us talking about like oh he might not play Rodri or he might not play Haaland. I mean I like I accept like it is proper spoilt rich kids sort of totally. um, problems. <laughs> um like what are you expecting from Sheffield United? What what, what will Paul Hackingbottom do?
9: Well, first off, if if you do play Greta up front, I'm, I'm really hoping you don't. I just don't want it, don't want it anywhere near yeah. high goalkeeper. Just just, just play him offside. Standard 80s <laughs> eight, Arsenal offside trap on halfway line or something. Just get him away from that. Mm. Uh, as far as what Ekim Bottom's going to do. It, it, again, it's a strange one. We've seen positive Paul, where he comes out and he goes, right, you know what, just, just jump in the faces from, from get-go. We've also seen negative Paul, where he's like, right, if we can keep it nil-nil, that'd be lovely, and I don't want that. We've got no to lose. Why would we go out there and try and keep it nil-nil? When, you're like, like you said, when you've got the uh, spoils of war that you've got, <laughs> you could play, you, you could pick off your under-eighteens team, and I imagine that their wages and values probably up there. We are anyway. We know that because two of your young players are our key players. So yeah. we, we know, no matter what you throw at us, we've got to be as best. So I'm hoping, uh, hoping bottom. just throws all caution to the wind, really. Just as, as soon as they take a kick-off, just run in a straight line, barge into them and just do what you can.
3: <laughs> and, yeah. to, and to be fair, the people like Brentford did when they won at our place, that's what Brentford did. And it that's did. what you got to do, and that, yeah.
9: That's it, like, say nothing to lose. Just, like, <laughs> just go for it. That first yeah. year under Chris Wilder in Premier League, nobody expected us to finish anywhere but bottom. Fair enough, we did that the season after. But, you know, that mm. first season... We, yeah. we went out and thought you know, you know what we're here we're not just gonna make up numbers we'll just go at teams and see what happens and i think that's how you win games like it's like you said about, about brentford every team that comes into the premier league and has a good season that's the attitude they take mm-hmm. you don't see many teams sitting back and, and surviving and i think that's going to be the key in the cup game we went out against tottenham we we had forced changes so we put in the kids who played with no fear i'm adamant that i want younger players playing against man city i don't want no woods and flex they're they, the legs are going, they play a certain style of way that's not going to change for anybody, and it's very conservative. I'd yeah. much prefer younger players to go out there and at least they're not going to match you up, but at least have a go.
1: Yeah, Helen. I'm, I'm st- already. I'm getting slightly nervous about this, and it sounds ridiculous because, like, the, you sit here and go, you don't want to underestimate the team, the, the team that you're playing. Because what happens is you, you get, a, um, you end up with a cup upset on the on the cards. Um, but at the same time, like, like City took Burnley apart, and they've, you know, they've they've been running away with the championship this season. So it's like it really is in City's hands. It's just like, just don't mess it up on the big stage, lads. Come on.
2: Oh yeah, no, I don't like to get too confident. I um, say so even now you look at the last few years in the FA Cup semis, like we've gone out to traditionally big teams. I'm saying traditionally because of current league standings. Um, but uh no, we've always got, we've always got it in us and, you know, um everyone will go on about like Wigan and, and yeah, Sheffield United, <laughs> Sheffield United in 2008. Like, well, you know, it, it,
1: Oh yeah, have you got any balloons playing, Johnny? That's the that's.
2: The I'm, I'm giving
9: I'm giving nothing away. <laughs> <laughs> any time, any time that any of our players come near that goal, you said an avalanche of balloons coming from that side. Of <laughs> yeah,
1: I'd forgotten about that.
4: Cheers, Helen.
9: Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I've got a story about that game which isn't fit for this
3: podcast, but I'll tell you. <laughs> well, like, oh, you not know? the <laughs> best kind of stories. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I might need to know this now, Maka <laughs> No,
2: no, no, not yet. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's, it's probably best off broadcasting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah we might we might come to that a bit later on but yeah sorry Helen <laughs> you talk about 2008 those sorts of thoughts you don't want them do you
2: no but they're always there and I said like you know we can you know we're having a fantastic fantastic season especially recent run of form but yeah I, I don't don't put anything past us, to be honest. Uh,
1: Johnny, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, McAtee because um, obviously the, there's a big buzz around him at City, but he's been he's, he's been a bit distant from us. We've not really seen that much of him. You've been watching him uh, most weeks. Uh, what, what's he been doing for Sheffield United that's just been that's been creating that
9: buzz? He's uh, filled the hole left by Morgan Gibbs-White from last season. But whilst Morgan Gibbs-White was, we called him flicks and tricks, it, everything was a back heel, everything was this. And if it didn't come off, it, it could cost you big time. McAtee's very much a better footballer. He, he, he's creative at going forward. He knows how to beat a man. He'll shoot. He, he's very creative. I don't want to say he fits in that Phil Foden mole because he is different, but it, it, he's got it in him to produce bits of magic. But he doesn't over-rely on trying to stand out with cocky flicks and tricks and you know just knocking it forward to nobody. He's very concerned about getting into an attacking position and getting the ball in the back of the net. And where, where I think is, we're looking at Mcatee as a player, I think you need to look at players like Doyle behind him because he's the one who frees up McAtee to get into those spaces. Yeah, so if, yeah. he, if he were to come into a Man City team, he'd have midfielders causing havoc uh, and and finding the space for him to get into and then playing a beautiful ball to him. Let's put it one way. If we can find him as Sheffield United and get balls to him for him to get in a goal, you shouldn't have any issues with him. <laughs> so I, I, I do understand why there is a buzz. I, I do think it is a bit discourteous to Doyle, because he's been brilliant as well. Yeah.
1: What about uh, about next season? Because I'm I'm going to do that thing that that opposition fans will hate me for. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to assume that you're going to come up this season. Um, uh, I mean, is, is is there a chance? Do you think that you might be able to keep hold of him for the for for next season, or is it one of those where he he himself? Do you think he'll have eyes on trying to break into City?
9: Well, if you look at Dean Henderson, he had eyes at breaking into Man U, um, and it never worked out for him because they had De Gea. Um, that, whether De Gea is good enough or not, is he's, he's on so much a week, isn't it? Um I think if you look at our McAtee players, who's he going to go ahead get ahead of, uh, especially in a, in a more advanced role? Who's he going to come in and replace? So if, as another season long loan, maybe, maybe we could have him. What, what I would say is, if, if, if he had any kind of interest in playing first team football, which I do think he does, I don't think he wants to be a bench warmer, he might look at another loan spell away just to hone his craft. And if he can do that in the Premier League, even better for him, surely.
1: Yeah, it's it is one of the things about him because no, I mean, strangely, Macca, for for City players normally when they go out on loan as youngsters they don't tend to come back and, uh, and make an impression on the first team, and it feels like Macca team might be different than this, it might, I, doesn't yeah,
3: it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think he is a different one. It's interesting to hear that from Johnny about Doyle though, because I've I've the, the bits I've seen of Doyle I've been really really impressed with him. Um, obviously, totally totally different kind of player. Um, but but yeah, he's he, he's looked great. But you, you kind of feel, you kind of feel that if 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 Sheffield United wanted to, to buy Doyle, like you, you feel that would be yes, more please. realistic, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I think he would. I think it's. I think it's. I think that's more real. I think. I think Mcatee. I, I would imagine. I would imagine that Guardiola would want to have a look at him next season. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, and like I say, he's probably him in and Cole Palmer out on out on loan. That's the way I'd seen it. Similar kind of players. Um,
9: we'll yeah. take it. No, I <laughs> that, could, that could be the
3: sweetener.
1: That could yeah. be the
9: sweetener, Johnny.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: Helen and I, I realize that I'm sending all the questions your way about getting nervous, but um, I don't want to worry anybody. Um, but it is it is Arsenal at home uh, in on the Wednesday after, and there is. There's very much a feeling that I mean we're recording this ahead of uh, Arsenal's game with Southampton, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bold choice of predicting an Arsenal win for that one given Southampton. Yeah, I'll put my neck on the line with that one. Are you Um, sure? Yeah, (laughs) Um, but it's probably going to mean that City have to win that midweek game. So how do you balance the squad for the for these next two games?
2: Ah, it's like you're aware of my uh, generally anxious approach to things, David. Yeah, I'm playing on it. That's exactly (laughs) what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, obviously, um, Arsenal's very much in mind. Uh, I just think, you know, there's a lot at stake in the next week. We've done weeks like this before. They've gone terribly or they've gone very well. Um, I think we do have... Touchwood. Uh the sort of depth in squad now that we can make the right changes at the right time. Um, you know, I wanna see on Saturday, I wanna see Alvarez, Alvarez starting, I wanna see Lewis starting. Um I think Cole Palmer should get some more time. Um but Wednesday is very much a big deal. What do you if, what do you make of, of Macca's not only... point about
1: sorry, what do you make of Macca's point about Rodri though? Would you would you put Phillips in so I mean because he's, he's barely played this season.
2: I, Please I play Phillips. Put Phillips. <laughs> I wouldn't put Phillips in a semi right now. Say he's like an unknown quantity still, isn't he, pretty much? Um, he didn't look particularly good against
3: Leicester when he came. on. let's put it that way. No. yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> But yeah, also, um, just, you know... More pressure on Wednesday is it's actually my birthday on Thursday, oh, so God. There's, a, there's a lot riding on this if it goes wrong.
9: Yeah, definitely. Rest all your team. Champions League, the league—that's what's most important for you. You don't, uh, you don't need an FA Cup. Come on, man. yeah.
2: But yeah, um, I, I, dare, I dare say the T word. But yeah, the the, the yeah you know, the T word is there, isn't it? So we. Uh... Yeah, it's it, like Saturday.
1: we're in that stage of the season where every game is the biggest game of the season until the next one comes along, and/or until yeah. you've lost, in which case it's no longer the biggest game of the season. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, for for Sheffield United, Johnny, other than uh, obviously McAtee and Doyle won't be in the team. Uh, other than those two, who's who has been playing well at the moment for you? Uh,
9: obviously, we, we've missed uh, Jack O'Connell from the first season of the Premier League. He's a big reason we came down. He's long term. They keep telling us he's back on the grass, which I think is code for he's never going to kick a ball again. Um, so, I, surprisingly enough, an old Nottingham Forest left back, Jack Robinson, has come good in that position. Um, and I know he's about three foot four. And if we're playing him up <laughs> against Greta, it's going to be a bit of a mismatch. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I, think he's, I think he's physically enough to. I'm not going to say mark him out again. That's just stupid. He's physically enough to leave an impression on some of your forwards. Uh, so that's going to be key and important. And you can't look past Sander Berger and Illiman and Die. They have just been outstanding all season. Funnily enough, a lot of our players seem to have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Berger because he's got this you know, slouched shoulder way of playing and he doesn't shoot from 84 yards every 10 seconds. And uh, a few of our fans, like, older generation fans are like, just hit it, Sander, hit it! <laughs> Oh, two six players stood in front of him. Yeah, let's just <laughs> chop it onto his ankles. But it, it really gets to me. But the, the way he runs forward, the way it gets for the way he plays the ball into space, the way he holds on to it until there is a clear cut pass. Players like that—they are a rarity. You do get a lot of panicked players. I like to call them which, oh, I'm getting rid of ball. And I, I, I don't. I don't want any of this that's coming towards me, uh, like Calvin Phillips. And you yeah. see these. <laughs> you, you see these players. Once in a lifetime at clubs like ours, like Illiman and Dai, who's just got that magic. Look, what we did against Tottenham, goal out of nowhere after coming on, where nobody expected us to get anything. And while ever we've got them, we need to be making use of them. And th- these are the players that can knock it in off the rear end at 90th minute if we've held on to a nil-nil. These are players that can give you those magic moments. So they'll probably both be injured for the semi-final. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, Maka, just remind us how tall you are.
3: Uh, five foot
1: four. Five foot
3: four. So go. I've got a good two feet over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you play you left go. wing back? No, I can't actually. No. Just <laughs> standing on the left foot. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you need a wicketkeeper though? I'm I I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had a riot. Here. It's been it's been great, Johnny. I, I could talk to you all night. Um, let's let's have a score prediction for uh, for the game. We got the charity bet coming up a bit later
9: on. Uh, what are you oh, going to f- go for? 4-0 City. I'm going to be really optimistic and say we'll beat oh, Burnley's. <laughs> 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 Little caveat on like Burnley. We beat them 5-4 on aggregate. So, you know, scoring five, scoring five against Burnley's no special. We'll come at it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: lovely stuff Uh, Johnny like I say I've had a riot Um, that's Johnny from the Sheffield United fan channel uh, the Shore and View Um, best of luck for the rest of the season you don't really
9: need it you're going to come up I I know you are I'm hesitant but thanks lads (laughs) 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 we're we're going for a good time on Saturday that's about all we can hope for Dave but you know anything can happen and all that nonsense
1: lovely
0: Get involved with the debate on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast.
1: Now, before we get some other predictions, let's get a view from the Emirates. I've been speaking to Arsenal fan Michael Kashani about the mood there after their draws with West Ham and Liverpool.
10: A little despondent at the moment. I think you've, st- you've got to be bullish at the time of this. We've come too far to give up now. But there is this this feeling now that this might just be that bridge too far. We might be running out that little, little bit. And, oh a lot depending on how the next few go that it just might you know, when we're up against the juggernaut like city that it's just that bit too much to keep up with but again i i admit like i did my maths wrong yesterday so i didn't realize that it's still very firmly in our hands if we come away from the s without losing yeah obviously that's a very very big ask but that is making me feel a bit better at the moment
1: yeah, I mean, it, like in terms of of the point at West Ham, um, like it doesn't. It, weirdly, it, it's been talked about as this as this real big kind of missed opportunity and a big point for City, but it doesn't actually change that much from City's point of view. I think that the, the thing it might change, I guess, a little bit is maybe the pressure on Arsenal's other games because obviously you play Southampton before uh, coming to the Etihad. So, like, is there more pressure on that game now? I know the bottom of the table and the the kind of cut of, cut away and all that sort of stuff, but like, weird things happen at this time of the season.
10: I mean, I mean, maybe. I've been thinking, maybe it's because I think to sort of grand scale with these things. I would hope that, you know, Sam's at home Friday night. The, one of the only times in this title race we're actually going to play before City as well, which would be very, very nice. I've, <laughs> I've missed that. Um, but I'd say Southampton isn't... Well, it's going to be where the focus is, but it's not where the worry is. I'd say, obviously, there's City right after that. There's Chelsea at home after that. And I think the next game after that is Newcastle away. And, you know, that's... Newcastle away, I think, is the one where where people are really thinking, like, we'll, we'll know by then properly. But, you know, you'd hope that everyone's going into Southampton with a calm head because, you know, it's Southampton at home. You know, famous last words. But, <laughs> yeah. If I mean, if you screw up there, you don't deserve to win the title. So
1: Yeah, I get it. Um, I mean, just reeling off those other fixtures. So Southampton at home, uh, City away, uh, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, then Brighton at home. Um, I, I yes. mean, uh, with, with City in the FA Cup this weekend as well, like City's game against City are going to have a, a game against Brighton as, as as one of their games in hand on Arsenal. It's like, yeah. it, it, do you see this being one of those title races where both teams are going to pick up points relentlessly, or do you see both teams actually dropping points in this running?
10: It's it's really tough to say. I mean, so this is the the discussion for almost almost every day with our, my Arsenal mates, which is where do we see City dropping points? And I think everyone's been a bit too sort of you know, you'll only drop points in the games where it makes sense to drop points, which obviously, you know, having just come off a 2-2 draw with West Ham where we were 2-0 up after 10 minutes, you know, that weird things do happen. But, you know, fewer weird things happen when City are involved is, is the problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect too many twists and turns, but I think that's also just because City have programmed it into me that you don't get twists and turns anymore. You just get a team that's going to win every week, and either you win every week as well or... You can be not a part of it.
1: Where do you see it in terms of uh, like it's, the, it's only the Premier League now for Arsenal um, City obviously have the FA Cup this weekend um, you know the, the the Champions League as well is still on the horizon do you see it as, uh, as as kind of there are distractions there for city where they might have to rotate and kind of rest players to get that little bit of leeway in other games and, and Arsenal can just kind of go full well go full pelt for the for the title now.
10: Well, that that's the big hope, and especially because, I mean, given you've already got the West Ham game in hand, they the, the Brighton game I think would have to be between match thirty seven and thirty eight for us in that midweek. Um, although that, I might be wrong about that, but yeah, like obviously you've got a very very quality dense squad, but it's not the biggest squad, so an in, a misplaced injury here and there could actually matter quite a lot. But you know I mean, so f- from the Arsenal perspective, I, had, I mean, at least among the people I chat to, and we tend to have the same conversation quite a lot when it comes to these things. But it's just been that we all kind of hoped City would get through against Bayern because, you know, racking up the games might be where the points come in. Whereas if City are just focusing on the league at this point, I think we'd probably be finished. Yeah, um, But it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to know.
1: Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the squad then at the moment, how is, uh, how's the squad coping with the, with the pressure of the running?
10: I mean, it, at different levels, you know, I think the biggest problem at the moment is just injuries. And we've been lucky through most of the season. But we got two nasty ones against Sporting in the um, in the Europa League, which was um, Saliba, who's out indefinitely. With you know, everyone's praying that he's back for the Etihad. Doesn't sound like he will be, but you never know how they're briefing with these things. And Tommy Asu, who's definitely out for the season. But that mean th- those two injuries combined mean that we have to play um, have to play Rob Holding against the Gabriel, and then Ben White still at right back. Um, which it's a I like Holding as a player, and he seems like a good fella, but like he's not of the required level. And it's really showing as well. And because he's so slow, we have to sit a lot deeper. He's not very technical. Gabriel is improving passing wise, but he's not the most technical. We didn't have Zinchenko, so we had three out of four defenders who aren't very good at passing the ball, frankly. Um, and that was a huge, huge loss because you know West Ham's pressing was uncoordinated and rubbish, but they still managed to put us under a lot of pressure. Um, so you know, I think Zinchenko will be back. That'll be a big thing. But the squad seemed to be okay. I think it was complacency, which is not where I expected us to come down. Uh, but we'll see. I think we have to just see in terms of how they're managing the pressure, the, but it does seem much more tactical than mental at the moment in terms of why we're dropping off.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, is Arteta doing anything differently or is it is it just a case of um, kind of at this stage of the season, decisions kind of, there's a lot more weight given to decisions?
10: I think it's definitely that there's a lot more weight given to the calls he's making. He's having to make quite decisive ones. His subs are getting a bit weirder. I don't know if you had this with Guardiola, but he's... I mean, obviously, everyone talks about the Galaxy brains with the Champions League, um, which is, to be fair to him, he's doing a lot less. But, I mean, his subs are a bit strange, but I can I can see the logic behind all of them, is the thing. He's not doing something where you think, well, this is, you have lost your mind. Um, but his, his subs have always needed a bit of work, and he's been getting better at them, but maybe that pressure is telling on him. Who knows? But he's not, I think, with the injuries, that it's and the fact that our so much of our success this year has come from this stable base of, Seven, seven to nine players who've been able to play almost every week. That I, I think, don't think he's been inclined to change very much. And the big difference is this holding in for Saliba, with no option to move White or play Tommy Asso or anything like that. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he tries Zinchenko up right back next week with White in the middle, but that would be that would be tried at Southampton if it's tried at all, and then possibly never used again very swiftly.
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's, I mean, obviously it's difficult to, to look into the actual ins and outs of the game um, uh, given your Southampton game beforehand, but uh, there is there is the real potential here for you to open up um, a, a quite a huge points gap um, with City ahead of the game. Um, obviously city would have the two games in hand but it, it, it's kind of like it's the psychology of it all and i'm not convinced that, that it actually matters that much um because guardiolas talking about knowing that they have to win every game and arteta's talking about knowing that they win have to win every game does it does it matter though as a fan if you can get to if you can go into the etihad game seven points clear having played two games more do you maybe relax a little bit more i don't know
10: maybe a little bit i think now we've now we've had this west ham game like if we won yesterday this would be a very different conversation even if we'd scraped it but now i think there's a feeling that we don't we have room for maybe 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 one slip up and that's including the the glory that would be a draw at the etihad um but it's yeah so we i think in that sense it's less about sort of the idea of like oh we can sit off we can relax or it's just the thing of having points on the board and uh, we we had last year the situation with um with having a game in hand this entire time and it being, and our chase, or I can't remember which way it fell now, but having a game in hand and thinking it's asterisk until this happens, it's asterisk until this happens, and then you learn very quickly that games in hand are only so useful. Points on the board are what matters at the end, and if you can get those early, then great. If you can get those later, then great, but, you know, you'd rather have them early and then not have to think about it because you then put more pressure on those on those extra games. I mean, so in the same situation, for example, if we were in stick's position of having the two in hand, I'd be a lot more nervous than the fact that it's our chance to go and set the marker forward assuming yeah. we, well, not assuming we don't lose at the etihad but making sure if we can that we don't lose at the etihad
1: yeah i know for from my point of view the uh the the, the game in hand against west ham i'm not that wo- well i wasn't that worried about until they took points off you um but then
10: don't don't, don't be they were absolutely awful i have no <laughs> idea how we let them back in
1: uh, but the the other side of it is the other one is uh, is Brighton away, and that I, it's not a game that if they if they've still got a European chase and it goes into like you say between the in the final midweek of the season, then um, that could be that could be a really really tough watch. Um, uh, will you relax at all on uh, on Wednesday night? Will you be able to enjoy it?
10: No, God, I'm, we have Southampton between now and then um, at the time of recording, at least, and I, it's the first thing I think about every morning um is absolutely terrifying i can't i can't relax it's all i'm thinking (laughs) about i I would be surprised if he throws in any anything particularly you know surprising um like i say so much of what has been good about this year has been that stable base of players if you start mixing that up right now then then yeah you you take away the the foundation that has been what we've relied on so much so I don't, I'd be, I mean, you never know. You never know, but I would be surprised. I think it would go for the same sort of 4-3-3, um, the same level of players. Um, I mean, the, the only change that I would desperately want him to make, assuming Sinchenko's fit, which I think he should be, is some like just get Saliba fit one way or another, put him in a cryogenic suspension, do whatever Do whatever it takes to get him fit. And even if we use him once and then he can't play for the rest of the season, if it's 90 minutes that the Etihad, he would make a world of difference to us. Yeah but I, yeah like I said I don't see him throwing in much of a surprise either way.
1: Yeah. Um will you be I mean uh, uh, let's say the score's are level on on 70 minutes or so. Um how how would you be feeling and what would you be hoping that he's uh, that Arteta's uh, approach is because as you said before I think the draw the draw at the Etihad is is effectively a win for Arsenal in this title race.
10: Yeah, I think we yeah, that's that's the thing as you say it's a draw is so much more valuable to to us than it is to you. Um, with that, you know the, the problem that we've had with Arteta sometimes, uh, particularly we had against Liverpool was we in certain, we have the right players, which is Holding coming on and being you know the big um, you know the big sponge for all the aerial balls in, and he's very good in the back three. But when we tried that against Liverpool, he brought in the new boy Kivior, uh, that just invited more pressure because you had this defense where you'd you'd reshuffled everything, you took Gabriel out of the area he was doing really well in um that you so he's gonna now be burnt by having invited too much pressure in a big game away and i think we do best to keep trying to go at city but without committing too many men forward rather than trying to sit back and take the draw but you know as you said i would snap both your hands off for a draw, yeah. both of my own as well if you want
1: <laughs> everybody's um, hands just snap as many hands off as you want
10: <laughs> I, 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 at this point i give my legs you know um <laughs> whatever whatever someone's offering i will i will sell but yeah like as you say it is yeah it's it's so much more valuable for us to get a draw from that and that will be in his head but then that's that's where city will probably want us as well knowing that they can just come wave after wave after wave after wave for that last 20 minutes and i don't know if we can withstand that yeah because I don't yeah. know if anyone can, to be fair.
1: There's only one question left, Cash. Um, I- I'm sorry to put your neck on the line like this, but we have the charity bet. We need a score prediction from you. Um, what are you going
10: to go for? It- it's the flavour of our last two games, and I'm going to be optimistic, so I'll say 2-2. This
0: is the Blue Moon Podcast. Don't worry, it'll be over soon.
1: That was uh, Michael Kashani. Um... Mac, are we be, uh we be watching Arsenal's game with Southampton on Friday, hoping for the best?
3: Uh I probably will, but I think it's one of those that'll probably get turned off after about 20 minutes when they're out two or three nil. Yeah. I don't I don't really I don't hold much hope, but it the way it's the way it is at the moment, it's in our hands. I know it's very corny, but that's all you can ask for. Um, yeah, and not to get very cocky, it, it rarely when it's in our hands have we cocked it up. So so yeah, let's just see what. See what happened.
1: It'd well, be nice to nice. First time for everything, isn't it? Nice to experience the other side of the uh, of the coin. Um, uh, well, yeah. Let's let's uh, regular <laughs> listeners. We had uh, we had Chris Higginbottom on last week, and um, when we when we were talking, we did a we did a piece about um, the the players for the opposition teams that we actually quite liked, and uh, like never no connection to City, but you you know you you always like them. Um, and whether he meant it or not, uh, Higgy said he'd always had a soft spot for West Ham. I asked him if, he, if it was about the Arsenal game, and he, I, I think he'd not clocked that Arsenal were playing West Ham that weekend. Obviously, the result came in. Um, and then, this week, um, he just happens to have sent me this.
5: Just thought I'd mention, given that my recent bonhomie towards Bakayo
9: Saka, the West Ham players, and all of the West Ham fans, seems to have directly resulted in uh, Saka missing a penalty and West Ham grabbing a
5: point, I'd just like to extend my warm feelings towards Southampton uh, and all of their players, particularly the absolute gunman that is uh, James Ward-Prowse.
1: There you go. So if it comes off, Helen, we can thank Higgy for this.
2: Oh, yeah, thanks, Higgy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: glad yeah. it's not only you that get those voice notes off him. <laughs> <laughs> then, I, I, was a bit dis- I was a bit disappointed because they're,
1: they're normally in verse. <laughs> Yeah, um, so obviously, Helen, you mentioned before birthday on on Thursday, um, Arsenal game on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, it, it, how are you coping with the nerves at this stage? Because, like Maka says, it's in our hands. It's, it's exactly what we'd want going into this stage. A few weeks ago, it wasn't in our hands, so here we are. You yeah. can't you can't, I can't ask for more, can you?
2: No, I wrote it off quite a long time ago, to be honest. And yeah, everyone's saying to me like, oh no, Arsenal were going to run out of steam by Christmas. <laughs> and then Christmas happened, and then and now it's end of April and uh, I was very much like no no not gonna happen and then it's almost like it it sounds stupid and I know it sounds incredibly entitled and spoiled but almost like annoyed that now I'm like yeah right it's in our hands come on right okay it's like the all-consuming feeling again and uh yeah it's it's a lot because it's and it's more than that because the Champions League is going so well as well it just feels like it means you know it's a, it's a, it's a big deal and yeah. um and because it, it's it's you know arsenal have have not been in this position for a very long time so it's um um, want to spoil a, want a spoiler party?
1: Yeah, well, we heard we heard from Kesh just how they uh, they are actually sweating on it at the moment. And it's, it's strange because that I mean the, the game at weekend marker didn't actually change that much in favor of City. City still have to win in midweek, otherwise it's in in Arsenal's hands. It's just maybe put a little bit more pressure on Arsenal's other games. I guess that might be that might be the difference.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really if it's the draw on Wednesday. I still won't be too disheartened, to be honest. Um, I know that kind of does take it out of our hands, but yeah. but but no, it's it's going back to going back to Saturday though. I mean that could have been a disaster. I mean that second half. I mean they could have easily got something out of it, couldn't they?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, Helen, in terms of uh, City availability, uh, we we still wait on news on Nathan Ake, but the way he um, put his hand to the back of his leg against players... Oh, it the player, did not look good yeah, last night. I, I would suspect he might not be fit for this one. Um, given that we started the calendar year with zero left-backs and we've somehow <laughs> lost two more left-backs <laughs> in that time... Um, how how,
3: how, I, beg how to di- I beg to differ on that one, but we'll come to that. <laughs> no,
1: we'll come to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, how how do you shape up the defense? Do you, do you, is it simply a case of stick Walker in at right back, kanji into the middle, and Laporte at uh, at left back? Maybe.
2: Oh yeah, you could. I think it's uh, we've got a lot of let's we'll say uh, what 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 is our defense at the moment? Who is a defender for Manchester City? What are we doing? Because you can slot a lot of players all over. I I would. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think like Kanji can do it. You can pull the port in. You can, you know, it's there's a lot of options there. I'm not a Kanji's biggest fan. I know he's taken a lot of flack, but I do think with time there is more confidence there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Ake was, looked. Looked distraught yesterday. It was horrible.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it would be, be a minor miracle if he makes it for the Arsenal game. I suspect Maka. Um, in terms of uh, the other options, though, I mean, Walker's barely played, Laporte's barely played, but they are they are quality players that you're getting to, to bring in. It's like it's it, it might be a defensive crisis in inverted commas if there's a few injuries there, but that you know there's quality players to come in, isn't there?
3: Yeah, I think the only I have talked about this with my Dad earlier, and and I think the only real option left backs realistic. Is, is Laporte, isn't it? Bernardo, um, could he do the Bernardo thing again? No, no, we can't do that. No, Saka? Uh, against Saka. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Laporte, what, Laporte what was left- wrong with that last time? <laughs> yeah. So no, Laporte, Laporte left back, not ideal, but I think yeah, I think that that's the best option, and then and then go with the rest that we've we've had really. Um but no although Ake was interviewed after the game and I was watching it and he and he's it's not it doesn't seem like if if your amsterdam has gone it's gone. I mean you're out for six weeks minimum. But it wasn't one of them, I don't think. So you you never know. You never know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean look at look at Rashford, I mean bloody hell, what was he supposed to be out for? Ages and then he's he's back. Just check the score actually. Yeah, still two-nil
2: <laughs>
1: right. Well, while we're on scores, uh, we had a win on the charity bet with the one-all draw at Bayern Munich. Kieran Murray was the man with the correct prediction, and that takes us to. Oh, it's three 0 Sorry.
4: Oh, Brilliant. Um 174
1: really? the Man City fans' food bank support group. William Hill is giving each of us a £10 correct score single. Uh, we'll start with the Sheffield United game. Uh, Johnny went for 4 0 to City, which is 17 to 2 and £85 if he's right. Macker, what are you having for this? Uh,
3: what was that? 3 1, mate. I'm just-,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just distracted because David De Gea has come out of the goal. <laughs> I'm just trying to control it and falling over. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. Someone get that Manakana monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pet rats have been keeping up all night. Oh,
3: honestly. <laughs> right, so, yeah, whatever. What did I say? You Three said 3-1, one. One. and that's 10 to 1. one. <laughs> yeah. So un-
1: sorry, David. Yeah, you're fine. It's the the show's long off the rails. Um, hundred <laughs> quid if you're right. Uh, Helen, what are you having for this?
2: Um, I'm being overly confident for me, and I'm going to go five one. Five one.
1: Five yeah. one. If it comes in though, twenty to one and two hundred quid. So uh, so fingers crossed. Uh, that takes us to the Arsenal game. We heard Keshi's prediction of two two. That's sixteen to one and one hundred and sixty pounds, Maka. Sorry. But... Two two one. You said two one.
3: I did say two one. Correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Fifteen to two, add <laughs> seventy-five pounds, Helen. <laughs>
2: I'm going to go 3-2, and that includes an absolute Edison madness as well. Oh, me? no. Oh, it's going be stressful.
1: Why yeah. are you doing this to us? 3-2, uh, though, it's, uh, it's 25 to 1 and 250 quid, if you're right. Uh, and it's the title in City's Own Hands, more to, uh, more to the point. Uh, remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change, and you can find more information about responsible gambling at begambleaware.org. And that brings us to the end of this week's Blue Moon Podcast. So thank you very much for listening, and thank you to my guests for this one. Helen Powell. Thank you. And Maka. Thank you, David. We've got a clip of this week's Patreon show coming up shortly. I'll be back next week for episode number 500 of the podcast. Don't miss it.
0: That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget... You can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's.
1: Do you know how many games Daniel Van Boyten actually played for City?
5: Oh, I'm going to guess three.
1: Uh, not quite. He, he, he did appear a bit more than that. That Four surprises me, actually. Six, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was sent off in his last but one. what
5: a six games? What are six games? I mean, he, he's obviously a very good player. I think he probably <laughs> has that kind of like King Cladsey paradox as well, where it's like, was he just a good player in a bad team? I even remember Kevin Keegan being asked about him while he was out injured and saying like, are we going to sign him? And he was like, nah, I think he's going to go to a big club at the end of the season. It was like, oh, cheers, Kevin. (laughs) That's nice here to say. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, so Danny, he leaves City in 2004. Did you know what a Rolls-Royce of a defender and what a what a class act of a player you were getting at the time?
4: We're getting the best human being on earth at that
2: time <laughs> on board of the club. We were very aware of the sort of massive dude we were getting. 28 goals scored for Bayern in 239 games. That's more than Didi Hamann. My biggest memory was that during the Jürgen Klinsma, the very brief Jürgen Klinsma era in, in Bayern, we were out of strikers because of injury. What well, was his coup de gras? And he plays Van Boijten as a nine for the last 10 minutes of a game against AC Milan and Milan. Guy scores a brace.
0: You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and join us again next time for another episode.